Sorry, I had some chili. One of the reporters asked me, or it was in a list of questions she sent, and I, I didn't actually talk to her yet, but um, she said something along the lines of, according to your opponent, you talk about political things from the pulpit. And how do you, how do you navigate that with the issues of uh, separation of church and state? Anybody have an idea how I'm going to answer that question? No. There's no such thing as separation of church and state. There never has been. It's not in the Constitution. It doesn't exist. The only thing that came close to limiting what I can do as a pastor behind the pulpit, anybody know what that was? The Johnson Amendment, which is basically what Phil said. But here's the thing with that is that's not even constitutional. The Johnson was not an amendment. The Johnson was a, was a, um, uh, Johnson was a, um, a, a bill, executive order. Uh, it was an executive order. It wasn't actually an amendment because when Trump got in office, he, he knocked it down. If it was an amendment, you couldn't have knocked that down by the president. You don't have that kind of authority. And, uh, well, the, okay, here's, let me add. She said executive orders don't have any authority after the president's gone anyway. Okay, the problem with executive orders are they don't have any constitutional uh, allowance anyway. Executive orders are illegal and unconstitutional unless under circumstances like martial law or something like that, and it's very limited. All this stuff that we've gotten worse and worse and worse over the last 20 years, the presidents just make orders and laws and they're called administrative um, rules. Those are against the law. They are not legal. Okay? So, so that's not a, a, a falsehood. When the president leaves, they go with the president. But we don't even practice that. These things just become laws. And they're not, they're not legal. Okay? So when our governor tries to shut down churches, that is illegal. The reason I say that is I had pastors emailing me and saying, well, when you close the church, you're first harming people and you're breaking the law and doing all this other stuff. You're not being obedient to Romans 13. They're wrong on every single stance. I was the one who was not breaking the law. The governor was breaking the law. And he should have been stayed on that by the legislative body and or the Supreme Court and said, you can't do that. But we didn't do that, so... So there's just a little, little civics lesson right there. Oh, you. I have a microphone if you want to get real close to me, Rick. We have, you have to say that one of the top ones with the dark horse in this, uh, it was Wendy's Chili. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. We had some chili from Wendy's. Winner, though. No, we, we won't get the winner. Uh, number three. Get a mic. Get a get mic. mic. <laughs> 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 Whew. I'm all out of tea. <laughs> okay. How about now? Can you hear me now? How about now? Those who are old enough remember the commercials. What's going on? Number three on the regular chili, not the spiciest, is Michaela Burton. Where did she go? Michaela was number 17. Coming in second place, and, and I will tell you these, the third and, and uh, second place, along with a couple others, uh, were all tied for, for second. And we, had, we got, fortunately, some teens who were very 
analytical in their voting. Uh, second place, Shelby. She, she brought more than one. Which one? Uh, that would be number 12. And just so you note, your son broke that tie. Your son broke that tie. Nepotism. We don't believe in that around here. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to the spiciest chili before we go give number one. Spiciest chili goes to Bruna Van Cleef. Which one was that? That was number uh, 20. Right. I'll number 20. Yeah. I agree. I concur. Uh, although I found 21 very spicy and it's gone. So anyway. All right. Number one. You all want to know who number one is? Really? Maybe? Okay. Josh Jans. You all may feel sick because he did that when he was sick. <laughs> that was number six. So, um, you know why he won? He put bacon in it. Let that be a lesson to all of us. I think we should learn here. Oh, I did get a question about this. So, when we got broken two, two weeks ago, um, they also took the pastor appreciation box, all the stuff out of it. So we're hunting these people down. We're going after them. This is serious. Oh, how many of you enjoyed um, Christie's uh, carrot cake? So I just thought I'd let you know. Um, she made me a lemon cheesecake for past appreciation. Yes. No, 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 no. No, no. If she would have put that in the box, I would have been so mad. I've been out there with a hound dog. No, I just, she just brought it to the house last night. And I just wanted you to, to you guys to know. You didn't get any. I love, I love citrus stuff. Key lime is like my favoriteest thing. Lemon. Um, lime, even orange, but that's not really the same category, you know, it's kind of, so, thank you, Rick. Uh, no sugar? Okay, Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> um, a lot of stuff been happening lately, you guys got any questions about anything that we're, we're doing, we're processing? Anything about the church? I, I, don't, I try to do this every now and then because, you know, in the staff we're talking all the time, the board and I were talking all the time, and you guys don't always know everything that's happening. So um, any questions? I have a question. Yes, sir. It's no, it's fine. So, so they, there really is, there's actually two places. Um, so when you go to the, um, when you go to the Constitution and you have uh, what's called Article 1, Article 2, interestingly, Article 1 gives like these very broad um, rights to the president and it says, I think that the term is as, as these rights are given to him, basically. Um, article 1 says it first, and then Article 2 begins to explain some of those rights. But there is this statement first that is, it's a very, very broad brush that says that the president has these rights, okay? Um, and then it begins, Article 2, to explain all these rights, okay? Um, it's, it's really one of those things where there is a, a lot of leeway. In fact, this is what I was talking about earlier. This is where... This is where presidents lean on when they use their executive orders. Is well, well, you, there's no place that says I can't do this, kind of thing. Um, it, except for the fact that 
the checks and balances within our government says that the legislature, and there's two branches for, for I mean, two um, houses for this specific purpose, to make sure there's a balance there and that the president's not supposed to make laws. But the president does have a lot of authority when it comes to being able to do something that looks like making laws. So something like um, clemency, I, I agree with you. I don't like the concept behind it, but I can also see, well, when you've got an honest person in the White House, it's a good thing, okay? And this is, this is what um, uh, Johnson, uh, Thomas Jefferson and Franklin, all these guys, they said very, very similar statements like this that you cannot have our form of government without godliness. It will not work, okay? A republic doesn't work when you've got um, immorality and, and, um, and ungodliness as the foundation of the country. Now, not everybody, but as the foundation. So I don't have a problem with clemency mentalities when uh, you've got a godly ruler, or at least a moral ruler, Okay? Um, because there are times when somebody is wrongfully put in jail or there's, it's, there, there's just stuff. In fact, right now, some of the stuff they're trying to do to Steve Banyan, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to this, um, they're, they're harassing him. Um, what about um, uh, Stroke, uh, Peter Stroke? Uh, he was, he was un, un, unlawfully put in jail. Okay, there shouldn't have been that. Uh, these kind of things are designed for political maneuvers to be undone by the president. The problem is, we, in the last 50 years, we've been using them for political purposes. And that's where it becomes, that's where it becomes a detriment and shouldn't exist. But you've got to be careful when you say, well, because of bad people, these things shouldn't exist. Because there's a lot of things in our country right now that could be torn apart if we judge it or rule it by who's using those things rather than what their intent was originally. And so, yeah, I don't like the idea the way it's being used, but I don't have a problem with the idea of it, if that makes sense. It kind of sounds like a non-answer, but... And uh, let, me, let me say this because of Aiden's question last week. Um, I feel more comfortable to be able to say this this week. When we were broke into, we feel very, very confident that this was politically driven. It was not burglary driven. There's just too much that we see here that says that. The police are still investigating, blah, blah, blah. But, but um, we, we understand from the police that nothing's going to come from their investigation. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And so we, we understand internally here that this was politically driven. And I know I'm on line right now, and I know I'm being recorded. Um, that's, I'm very comfortable saying that uh, the way that it is. So, Emily asked me today, I think, she said, do you ever wish you wouldn't have done this? You know, the whole politics thing. Here's my answer. Every day, all day long. <laughs> but there just comes times in your life when you know God is calling you to do something and to step up. So that's why I'm doing it. And I've been saying that from the first. That's why I'm doing it. The only thing that irritates me is that you guys are going to have, have and will continue to be picked at and suffer and some things like that along the way. So um, I am doing the best I can to protect you from that. So any, what did you say? That's right. Trish can take it. Some of you are thinking, I can't take this. Um, but it's almost over. The election, election's going to happen. I'm going to win. We're going to move on. And hopefully some of these um, not nice people will go away. He said so naively. So anything else before I jump into this? Anything about anything? Are you praying more within the church since this discussion? <clears throat> um, I, I am praying. For, okay, let me break it down. Me personally, I'm praying a lot more, okay? Uh, not more. More is not the right way to say it. I pray all the time. But I am praying more intentionally about these kind of things, uh, more like spiritual warfare praying about these kind of things. 
Plus, I'm praying for the people. When I go out, when I leave a rally and there's people out there with poster boards and signs and stuff like that, after I get over the humor of that, um, I pray for them. These, these people are, most of them are like 19, 20-year-olds, and, and I'm not trying to pick on 19-year-olds, but the reason they're doing this is because somebody has told them this is cool. They don't, they don't have deep-seated political feelings. They don't even know the stuff. I can tell because the things they say, like the separation of church and state, you, you've not studied anything. You've not studied. There was a podcast somebody was telling about recently with some political people. The other side of the aisle, they were all bragging that they don't have any education. They were bragging about this. One of them said, well, I didn't graduate high school. The other one's like, I graduated high school, and that's it. And they're like, yeah, power to the people. I'm like, the dumb people? What are you talking about? Do something better than that. And it wasn't like I didn't graduate high school, but I'm trying to. I get that. I get that all day long. But I'm proud of that. I'm proud of not knowing anything and have no desire to gain knowledge. That's, that's why they say the things they do. And I really do feel sorry for them. These are, these are hurting people that are finding their solace in, in the wrong places. And ignorance and darkness. And they think there's solace there, but there's not. And then they're more upset and more concerned and more uh, confused. And then the cycle just gets worse and worse and worse. And so I pray for them. I pray for my opponent. He just needs Jesus. If he just had Jesus, his whole world would change. All of the issues would change. I talk to people all the time that talk about you know, abortion and these Christians for abortion and all this kind of stuff. Guys, it's just real simple. I'm going to say this as clear as you could possibly say it. If you have Jesus in your heart, you will not be okay with killing babies. Abortion will be wrong for you. The reason that people can argue and debate whether abortion is okay is because Jesus is not residing within their heart. That's a human Jesus created. Who are you to try to kill it? And I hear all the stuff. I, heard, I saw the governor debate the other night, where, um, or last night it was, or whenever it was, when Polis was saying, well, a doctor should never, I mean, the government should never be in the room with the doctor and the baby. And somebody put online a great statement. There's a third person in that room. I mean, the doctor and the mother. The third person is the baby. What about the baby in the room? Well, we're going to murder the baby, and we're not going to let the government tell the mom or the doctor that this is wrong because it's somebody's right to murder the third person in the room? How is that okay? And we've convinced ourselves in today's society that that's... First, it's a political issue, and secondly, it's a decision, it's a choice, and that that's just a, a fetus, and, and, you know, when does life start, and when all this kind of... You know, you know how to tell, you know the easy answer to when life starts? And people say, well, like conception. But here's an easy way to tell when life starts. This is for anything. If it's growing, it's a living thing. That's how simple it is. From day one, when the zygote separates, that's a living thing. Right? I was about to ask Barry if I said that right, but I'm not going <laughs> to. All right. Anything else? You guys are like, no, you, you get on a high horse too hard. <laughs> Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> so just so there's no confusion, and I want this to make sure this is recorded, I have... Always, in 32 years, talked about government stuff, political stuff, social stuff, all wrapped up in biblical context. And I will continue to do that until the day I die. I was about to say if they put me in jail, but I'll do it in jail. I can preach in jail. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who, feared, who neither feared God nor cared about people. 
A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The The judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see, do you understand that this was a woman? All right. I'm, that may not have anything to do with it, but I feel like it does. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? I really believe that um, somebody said this recently in a way that is like this, and it it connects with my spirit. But don't you think that this uh, overturning Roe versus Wade has been this, a result of this? God's people crying out. You think about the spiritual battle going on for that one thing in our country. Because so many other things are hinged upon that. There's a lot of other rulings that will, come, that will be changed because of overturning Roe versus Wade. And I'm not saying about abortion issues. I'm saying about other things. Um, any kind of life issues will be involved in that. But there's a lot of other things that are going to hinge upon this concept of whether Roe versus Wade was a, um, a, a, a godly, I mean, a... A constitutional idea or it was not a constitutional idea. And you guys know it was not. That's why it got overturned. Okay, Uh, it was a Supreme Court decision. It was not a legislative act. And again, the Supreme Court can't make law, but they did. And somebody immediately should have said, wait a second, you can't do that. And uh, finally it got overturned. And I believe it's because of the people crying out to God. And God hears their cries. It's not always as quick and as easy as we would like to make it or whatever, because there's still people involved and free will and all this other stuff. But, but God's a really big God, and he can do really big things. I had this conversation with somebody recently. Whether you're a pro-Trump, never-Trumper, don't care about Trump, he did more things for the kingdom of God and the church than any of the three or four presidents before that claimed to be Christians, like both Bushes. Oh, these guys were amazing Christians, except they didn't do squat for the church. They didn't do squat for the church's rights. In fact, some of the things that, that Junior Bush did were anti-Christian and pro-Muslim. And Trump overturned the Johnson um, bill, which we talked about just a minute ago. It's the first thing he did when he got in. He put the... the, um, the uh, the thing in Jerusalem, the embassy, and in Jerusalem, how many presidents have been saying they're going to do that? But they're scared. They're scared to actually do something. And he immediately did that. Um, there's a lot of things that fall in line with this that, that Trump did on a Christian level, that he did for the church. And people get upset because he tweeted I loved his tweets. The Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who are crying out to him day and night? Coming back to this Roe versus Wade, Trump also put the people on the Supreme Court that needed to be there. Even though we got a couple of of middle-of-the-roaders he put some strong people in there, and that's why we overturned Roe versus Wade. All the other guys have been talking it. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So let's break this down because the big sentence is that last sentence, the last uh, uh, half of verse 8. But let's look at this. First, unjust judge that doesn't fear God or people. He's only concerned about himself. But because of the persistence of this woman, um, she uh, drives him crazy, and he finally rules in her favor. And, excuse me, and Jesus says, God, how much more will God listen, who is a just God, how much more will God listen when we're calling out to him? <clears throat> I, this is... To me, this is a, you know, I get this question a lot as a pastor is, well, should I ask God over and over for the same thing? 
If I've asked him, doesn't he already know? Well, with that, with that idea, he already knew before you asked him. Why would you ask him? He already knows. Because he asked us to ask him. Okay, that's true. So the Lord asks us to ask him, although he already knows. And why, why does he ask us to ask him? What we call pray. Why does the Lord ask us to petition? Not all of prayer, but the petition part of prayer. Why does the Lord ask us to ask him things? You ever thought about that? Intimacy, relationship? Relationship? Yes, that's definitely part of it. Um. Yes, both of those are the relationship kind of thing. Prayer is, to prayer is a statement of faith. When you pray, you are saying, um, God, I know you're there. I know you're real. I know you're there. I know you have the ability to answer this request. Now, from there, it, depending on how you look at prayer and how you look at faith and relationship with God, it can become stronger and stronger. But, but anybody that prays has some basic concept that God is there and that he's bigger than them. Right? That's a statement of faith. I believe that God is real. I believe that God is there. So when we go to him and ask him, this is building relationship with the one that provides, with the one that is in charge of everything. He's building the relationship. So there's, there's the intimacy, it's relationship, all these things. What's another reason God would ask us to, to pray, to ask him? stuff. It's also a declaration to the spiritual realm. When you are saying, God, I need you to do this, you are declaring to the spiritual realm your statement of faith. You're not just saying it to yourself. This is not just a, um, a, a, an acknowledgement that you believe in God. Specifically when you pray out loud, and I know that different people are uncomfortable with this, but I would say pray out loud as much as you can. I think there's two or three things that happen when you pray out loud. One is you hear yourself doing that. Have you ever decided to, you ever, you ever decide you're going to tell somebody something? I'm going to tell them. And then you say it out loud before you get to them, and you're like, I'm not going to tell them. Because it sounded a lot more stupid outside your mouth than it did in your head. Right? When you say things out loud, it, it strengthens your faith. When you're praying this out loud, that's why I think it's also good to quote Scripture out loud. Quote it to yourself. And, and if you're like me, the more you quote certain Scriptures, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say the same Scripture over and over and over and over. Because it takes sometimes, many, many times, I don't mean like three or four, I'm, I'm talking like 30 or 40, to get that Scripture past my mind, past the stuff of the world, past my heart, past all the baggage and the filters and life and everything else for that Scripture to begin to chip away deep into my spirit and start to bring life deep into my spirit. I had a guy ask me one time, why do you Pentecostals sing the same song over and over, the same line or the same song over and over and over? And I said, well, I guess we don't get it as quick as you do. Which makes me wonder, how many times have you sat, it doesn't matter, song on the screens, chorus, hymns, and sang that song and not really even thinking about the words that you've sung? And, and it used to be back in my day, nowadays we don't have this conversation, but back in my day it was like, well, the hymns are the real songs and the courses are this uh, fake nothing, which has no historical legitimacy, scriptural legitimacy or anything, but... There's a thing, and I've, I grew up in church where everybody sung hymns, and I would watch them sing these hymns mean nothing to them. They're just words. They're just singing it, standing there just singing along. Then you got one guy over there, man, he's singing, and his whole heart has changed because of this. Because it's not the song, it's the heart of the individual. And to really process this and to take a scripture and over and over and over, it takes a while sometimes for that scripture to get in there. It's the same thing with praying. We've got to, I think praying out loud breaks down strongholds in the spiritual realm, but also in our own self. The strongholds that we let um, life, Satan, baggage, sin, attitudes, rebellion, all the things that are part of humanity, we let those things build up in our spirit. Okay? This is why, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I think it's the same thing. This is why as Christians, we can go year after year after year and never witness to somebody and be totally okay with it. And not, have to, not be convicted, not care, not do anything. Why? Because that part of our life, we have built up such a wall spiritually 
that we don't let the Holy Spirit break us through that wall to the other side and begin to actually have compassion and care about lost souls and do something about lost souls. And we'll preach all of our truth over here and all of our stuff over here. In fact, let me, let me give you one. I know I've been preaching and teaching about this stuff a lot lately. But end time events, eschatology, stuff like that. It's amazing to me how many pre- people are so much about eschatology, preaching it, studying it, listening to it, everything, and have no heart for the lost. How do those two match up? We know Jesus is on the cusp of coming. We know that he is right at the door, as I showed the scripture a few days, a few weeks ago. We know he's right there. But we don't care enough about the lost, knowing that Jesus is coming. Guys, somewhere, somewhere there's a hard-heartedness that's going on that says, maybe I need to get on my face before God and, and leave all that other stuff behind until I let the Holy Spirit soften my heart. And then get up from there and say, Lord, what direction do you want me to go? Not just all the stuff that I like to study and teach and preach, but when do I care about the lost? When do I care about my next door neighbor? You know, we, we got that encounter outreach app for that purpose. To pray for your neighbor, just pray for your neighbor. Just pray. I, I had a great encounter with my neighbor the other day. We were talking and, and um, he was burying a hole his dog had dug, dug, dug in the yard. I felt sorry for him. And my, my deck is high enough I look over into his backyard, kind of like a king, you know. And uh, I'm talking to him, and we're just hanging out. And, and we had an event up here a while back for um, the Hispanic community, and, and uh, we made a bunch of street tacos, and we had a bunch of those left. So we had a big bag of them, and I said, hey, would you like some of this carne asada? My wife made it. It's really good. He's like, yeah, I would. So we're bringing this bag, and then he's standing there, and he goes, you know what, I... I, my whole, my workplace, they're asking me to make my famous pumpkin loaf. Would you like one of those? Well, yeah. Do I look like I don't like that? And uh, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but that's engagement, guys. You just talk. You just engage. And when he brought it to the house, we were actually in the journey. I couldn't talk to him, but Linda did. And he brought his girlfriend with him to introduce his girlfriend to us. That's engagement. It's not that hard. Make a plate of cookies and just care about your neighbor. Just take it to them. It's not hard. You can even say, I know I've been living beside you for 20 years. Here's some cookies. <laughs> this is my, I do this every 20 years, <laughs> whether you want them or not. You know, something. Just do something, guys. We, and and, and I, I know you guys are I'm acting like you don't do anything. I know you do. I'm just saying there has to be a point where somewhere, even as we pray out loud, even as we read scripture out loud, it begins to change us. It also speaks into the spiritual realm, changes the spiritual realm. What's another reason we pray or that God wants us to pray? I think so. Coming back to God, um, I, just, I just think it draws you closer to the throne room kind of thinking, Right? Uh, because there's a, there's a humbling yourself. There's a submission to the king when you come back to him. When you, even, if you, even if you think you can handle whatever's going on by yourself, come back to the king anyway, right? Isn't, isn't that a good idea? Right? What's another reason? Because he does want to answer our prayers. Right? He wants to do stuff in our life, but he wants us to ask him. I've been, I've been uh, doing this with my granddaughter. Um, Linda's going to see him next week. I can't because my world right now, but she's going to see him. So I've been talking to my grandson and my granddaughter, and I told him I'm giving them stuff. I bought them surprises, and, and honey's going to give them to you when you get there. And then I asked my granddaughter what she wanted. Well, I already knew what she wanted. Her mom had told me. But I want her to tell me. Why do you think? Not just what, what Phil is saying, which is right, because I want to give her that. I want to bless her with that. But why else would I want my granddaughter to tell me what she wants? I just love hearing her say it. She said a unicorn robot. I, I thought she was making that up at first. But there is such a thing as a unicorn robot. Um. But I just want to hear her voice say it. Here's what I like to hear. Papa, that's a great start right there. 
I never thought, as a younger guy, I never thought I'd get so much joy from hearing a little kid call me Papa. And my grandson, he's got a weirder kind of voice, he's got a little huskier voice, kind of takes after his grandma. And I mean that in a good way, guys. I mean in a good way. You guys, you get me in trouble. I, I, one of the very first things I was, well, the second thing I was ever attracted to with Linda was her voice. First thing's none of your business, but <laughs> the second thing was her voice when she walked up and said, hey, I was like, <sighs> she was actually very smart aleck. She was very smart aleck to me the first time I ever said hello to her. She comes up with her friend. We're 17. She goes, Hey. And then she said something along the lines. This is not an exact quote. And you, she's sitting right here, so I know I'm not making this up. I mean, she better admit to this. That's what I'm saying. She said, hey, I see you got you a girlfriend. <laughs> so... What was he talking about? We're... Oh, yeah. So Ezra, he says to me, he says to me, hey, Papa. He's two, but he sounds like a dude, like a real dude. Hey, Papa. He says that all the time. But I just wanted, I just like Eloise to say, I want Bubby to say, Papa, I want a unicorn robot. Guys, I, I think sometimes we don't understand this. And I don't know how to verbalize it, but as a grandparent, I get it more than I ever have. As a parent, I begin to understand it. But as a grandparent, I get it. I really think God just wants us to hear his voice talking, our voice talking to him. I think God really likes that. I think God likes it when the last thing that you do at night is say, Jesus, I love you, good night. Don't you think he likes that? And, and we... Ah, we get caught up in so much of our world and, you know, the scripture that Paul says, don't take yourself too seriously. I think we take ourselves way too seriously and we think we're all that and we think we're important and all this other stuff. One of the things that irritates me the most, not the most, but way up there in this whole political thing, is how people think they're all that and they're not. They're just people just like everybody else, and they're just as messed up, and they're just as broken as everybody else. And I believe the best thing you can do in life is come before God and ask Him for something. Acknowledge that you can't, or you don't have, or whatever. Let God be God. And just throw your arms up and say, Lord, I really need you right now. Man, He likes that. I'll tell you the rest of the story of the unicorn. I told, I told Eloise, I said, Eloise, do you know where unicorns come from? She said, no. I said, they come from the clouds. Clouds make unicorns. They also make pegasus, which horses with wings. She's just going. And then Jonathan, he, was, he just zones out when we're talking to the kids because he's driving. He just puts us on so that he doesn't have to talk to the kids. You young parents of young ones, you understand. So, so we're talking. And I finally, finally, he realizes what I'm saying. He says, Dad, why are you telling her this? That's not true. Eloise, that's not true. Don't listen to Papa. He's just saying stuff. And the whole time he's saying that, he can't see me because the phone's facing her, and I'm going. <laughs> and she finally says, Dad, I'm going to listen to Papa. <laughs> he's like, take that, fat man. She knows where unicorns come from because I told her. I also told her that glitter shoots out of their horns. And they poop bubbles. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> I was doing that mostly for him because he was irritating me with all that. What's another reason God might want us to ask him things? What's that? There's, guys, I think this is one of the biggest ones, actually, is when you ask him for something and he does it, you, you never forget that. And however we categorize that as being a bigger thing, 
we could go around the room right now and talk about answers to prayers that you've had that you could have happened 30 years ago. You'll still remember every detail about it. And he wants that to grow your faith. He likes doing stuff for us, but he also wants us to grow in that. And here's another reason that he asks us to ask him things is because the more that we do that, the more we mature in understanding faith and prayer. It's a growing process. Not only do we grow in faith, but we grow in the knowledge of understanding what prayer is and how to pray. The longer you're a Christian, you know how to pray better, right? You know how to pray in the Spirit better. I said this quite a few months ago, and I had a lot of you come and ask me questions about this. But guys, this is, let me help you with this. When it comes to praying in the Spirit, in other words, praying in tongues, Scripture says that we don't know how we're praying. The Holy Spirit is praying through us. We don't know what we're saying. We don't know how we're praying, okay? But interestingly, over time, I have, I have begun to understand when I'm praying. Let me explain this. I'm, so I'm just praying in my language, praying in English, praying in tongues, praying in English, praying in tongues, back and forth. Just spending some time praying back and forth. And I can tell when I'm praying in English, when the Holy Spirit begins to ignite what I'm praying about. You guys understand what I'm saying? You know what that feels like. You know what that, what that sense is. When all of a sudden you're praying about this and boom, that, that prayer is now electrified. It seems to have gained energy. It's different than what you've been praying for before. All of a sudden that prayer is ignited and then as I move into praying in tongues, which I go back and forth and back and forth when I'm praying, when I move into praying in tongues, it's ignited the exact same way. Why am I saying it like this? Because I began to realize what, how the Holy Spirit is, how, what I am praying, at least the realm that I am praying for in tongues, because he is igniting the same thing in my language, which which uh, I believe he has led me to pray for that. It's not like I just accidentally stumbled onto it. It takes me a while, but as I begin to figure out the direction we're going, I'm praying for this, and he's anointing that, and he's anointing what I'm praying in the Spirit, and I can begin to tell um, I'm in the same arena. So at some sense, I kind of know what I'm praying in tongues about, but I really don't, but I think you understand what I'm saying. It's that arena. Well, you can grow in all this stuff. The gifts of the Spirit, you can grow in the gifts of the Spirit. You can grow in discernment. How many of you would say that discernment-wise, you're a lot more understanding nowadays than before? You get things easier and quicker. That's spiritual maturity. You understand it easier. But that takes um, submission and getting into the Lord and listening to the Lord. You, you learn in those kind of things. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I asked enough times and it didn't come. I mean, there's a whole other level of maturity when he doesn't answer prayers. Yeah. So, so part of what should be happening when you're praying and when he's answering, when he's not answering, both of those, let's put them in the same category right now. Part of the thing that's happening is the Lord is teaching you how to pray, but he's also teaching you uh, what to pray, not just how to pray. Well, what to pray? Guys, let's just own this. Sometimes we're very selfish about what we're asking for. That doesn't make us bad people. It just makes us human. But part of what we should be doing is learning, growing, and maturing in the process and understanding what God's heart is. You know, the scripture that is used so out of context, I think most of the time, is when people say um, that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? I don't think that's what the Scripture means. I think what the Scripture means is God places his desires in your hearts and then fulfills them. That's different than he just does whatever you want him to do. And I've seen people use that. Oh, God will give you the desires of your heart. Well, I just asked for a unicorn robot. Should I tell him about the cotton candy I got? I also got some cotton candy. Linda's taking it to my granddaughter. That's um, unicorn poots. <laughs> and he's going to have to explain that to his granddaughter. And it's cotton candy because that's what unicorns poot. 
Okay. As you can tell, I'm a pretty mature grandfather. So, so here's part of what God wants from us is he wants us to learn that's not his heart for you. Sometimes he does that by, there's a couple ways. Sometimes he does that by um, saying no to you, correct? But how many of you, God has taught you that lesson by giving you what you asked for? He's done that with me. I asked and asked and asked, and finally God gave it to me. It's kind of like, like he did with the Israelites. You don't need a king. Okay, I'll give you a king. Right? And they got exactly what they asked for. They had no idea that that's not what they wanted. Sometimes God teaches us that by giving us the stuff we asked for. So he does. He teaches us. He matures us. He grows us. As our desire should always be, Lord, less of me, more of you. Not my will, but your will. But that's, that's difficult sometimes when we really want something or we really need something. Um, somebody um, said this to me recently. They were talking about um, a Tesla. They said, doesn't, doesn't it irritate you when people drive by you in a Tesla and you don't have one? Nope. I wouldn't mind a Tesla. I really, I like Tesla. I think they're cool. Now, I want the Plaid edition. Don't get me wrong. That's one that goes 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds. <clears throat> but here's the thing. It doesn't irritate me when somebody else has one. What's, it, what's that called? Envy? Covetousness? Selfishness, narcissism. It shouldn't ever. Guys, you should always let this be a check in your spirit. If you're irritated because somebody has something that you don't have, something's wrong in your heart. Now, that's a, it doesn't mean that you can't desire something. That's not what I'm saying. I, I would love a Tesla, but I'm not paying the price. and I'm not changing my whole garage into a charging station and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But I don't. I don't dislike it when somebody else has. In fact, I think it's cool. I pulled up beside a guy in Tesla the other day at the stoplight, my Jeep, and I rolled down the window and I went like this. And he just went. <laughs> Scared, aren't you? That's what it is. But uh, God wants us to learn through the process. Guys, this really should be a daily prayer advice of ours. God, not my will, but yours. Teach me what that means. When you pray for things, and now there are some things that are, that are already uh, approved by God. It's already his will in scripture, okay? When you come across those things in scripture that are already God's will, you don't have to pray God's will. In fact, I think at that point, that's a misunderstanding of scripture, and that's, a, that's an immaturity thing to ask God if it's your will for something that he's already said is his will. Okay, but when, when we're not sure, um, for, for example, what are some things that we know is God's will? Now, if, you, if you're not sure, be careful because I'm asking you where you get that from. I just made sure you didn't answer the question now, didn't I? If you're praying for your neighbor to get saved, that's God's will. The Lord is not willing that anyone should perish. Okay, those are, God fixed my marriage. That's, that's God's will. 100% of the time, it's God's will. You can pray those kind of things. God, give me a Tesla. Is that God's will? No. And I don't even necessarily believe that, that that's God's provincial blessing in your life. I think um, the church has done that over the years. Oh, God wants you to... God wants you to drive the newest car. God wants you to have the promotion. God wants you to have the raises. God wants you to be the wealthiest person in your community. I've heard all that stuff. That's, that's, that's lies. That does not agree with Scripture. But does God want to take care of you and provide for you? 100% of the time. He does. And you've got to kind of balance that out when it comes to praying and seeking God's will. Now, here's the last sentence. Um, this, is, this is the most important sentence. In fact, this sentence sticks with me all the time. I think about this sentence. I pray about this sentence. You'll hear me reference it every now and then. This is the sentence I'm talking about. It says, but when the Son of Man returns, 
How many will he find on earth who have faith? Now, he has just been telling us petitioning God over and over is okay. It's actually what he wants. There's nothing wrong with asking God the same question over and over and over. Okay? There's not only this scripture that says that, but also keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. There's plenty of places in scripture that God says, ask him, ask him, ask him. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes, he already knows. You're not getting on his nerves, all that kind of stuff. Somewhere in the process, you can also say, God, am I asking the right thing? Am I asking it the right way? If God hasn't answered or, or answered the way you think or it's not being processed that way, asking God, am I even asking the question the right way? Maybe he wants you to ask it differently. Maybe there's a different direction he wants you to go. But asking continuously is not a problem. That's actual scripture that says do that. But then the last sentence, he, he, Jesus has an amazing way of do the, doing this. He'll be talking about a subject, and then he says a statement that just blows the subject up like this. He's talking about this, and it may be a very deep spiritual thing, but it's very singular and then he says a sentence that this opens the door in a transcendent kind of way. And this is a sentence that does this. How many will he find on earth who have faith? That's, I think that's much bigger than asking him for something. He's talking about when he returns. First, he's talking about in your daily life on a daily process, asking him for the things in your life. And then he says, but when I return, who's going to really have faith? Am I going to find you to be a person of faith? Am I not? This kind of goes into the same context, for me at least, in my brain, the scripture that, that um, says, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. We always put the emphasis on the new. I never knew you. I don't think that's, I never knew you, the person, you. I know the stuff. I know your petitions. I know your request. But do you really have faith? A faith that believes in God? A faith that believes God? A faith that is bigger than me? A faith that is about him first and not about me first? A faith that transcends my limitedness and my scope? A faith that, that transcends my humanity and my... my um, my a limitedness? Can God find that faith? That's a convicting statement. Is he really going to find faith with this? So, thoughts, comments, questions? Did I say a hand? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, God's been working on me about the same thing um, as of late. Uh, for the most part, I don't care what, what um, the other side says about me. I don't. In fact, most of the time I find it enjoyable and entertaining. Um, kind of like sometimes I'll go and hang out with the kids in the nursery or like the first grade class and you just talk to them and hang out. You guys remember the videos we did back in the day where I interviewed the, first, uh, the kindergartners and the first graders? To me, that's what politics feels like. And most of the time, I think this stuff is entertaining. But the other night, as I was going to bed, um, something that had been online got under my skin a little bit, which is goofy because it, it wasn't different than anything else. I'm laying there in bed, and this is my time when I read and pray and all that stuff, and I caught myself just laying there thinking about this. And then it kind of crept up in my spirit you know how good it would feel to go work this person over? I mean, just beat them up. 
kick them around. Who's, who's cheering me on there? <laughs> okay. That's right. No. So, um, bad. So, uh, so, but then after about 10 minutes, I'm laying there, and it dawned on me, this hasn't bothered me yet. Why is it bothering me right now? What's the answer? That's the enemy. Satan is doing that. He's getting that in my heart. Satan wants me to be angry at the person because why? If I get angry at the person, I miss my purpose. I miss the bigger picture. I miss what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be talking and how I'm supposed to be thinking because I'm mad at an individual. But guys, this is, this is where we all have to deal with this. Let me help you out. When you start getting very, very angry at an individual, Satan is winning something there. It doesn't matter. You, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have justification. But the problem is Satan is trying to sidetrack us from the plan that God wants to use us in right then. All right? I have no problem confronting somebody or talking um, to them about difficult issues and telling them you're wrong or whatever. I don't have a problem with that. What I'm talking about is when it starts getting in here and you know the difference and it gets in your spirit and all of a sudden you're hating individuals, which is exactly the opposite of what Ephesians 6 says, right? Also 2 Corinthians 10. These aren't, we're not fighting human battles with human weapons. We're on a spiritual warfare. This is a spiritual battleground and we've got to look past the people and see the spiritual stuff going on. And that's the only way we'll really be able to interact with and actually conflict with in a godly, healthy way with the people. But when you let Satan get in your spirit, you start missing the opportunity to speak truth in life because now you're just speaking you. Speaking you doesn't do very much. It's not good usually. But speaking Jesus is, that's where life is. Speaking And speaking truth doesn't mean you don't be a truthful person. But when we're looking at all this stuff, guys, I, I don't, I, there's so many people in the limelight right now in Washington. I wish something would happen to them and they couldn't be in office. But you know what? God's, I mean, Satan's got plenty of other people standing there waiting. So instead of hating the person, pray about the spiritual side of this. Right? I, but, I, but I totally am not like, I totally am where you're at with this. Totally. Um, we just got to, we got to do better. Don't hate the person. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Is that how that goes? I think so. All right. All right, let's pray. How should we pray? great song and a great prayer. Yeah. So I can see what God wants me to see. That's, that's good. Let's just pray that. God, we, we submit ourselves to you. Lord, we want to we see you the way you want us to see you. We want to see prayer the way you want us to. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to pray. Teach us to worship. Teach us how to pray and worship. Teach us your word that we use that in our prayer and in our worship. God, open our eyes that we see past the people and we see, we see the spiritual realities. God, it is so easy for us to, to walk around without faith and we're walking around ourselves. Lord, show us that. Convict us of that. Every day, convict us of that. That, we, that, that you show us how to walk in faith. That, that when you return, we want to be people of faith, following you in faith. God, help us not to think or, or look at our society or our world from our own eyes. God, help us to look at them through eyes of faith, that you are the king. Lord, when we're looking at people, that we see humans created in your image and that you love them. And uh, God, that we have truth for them. Lord, we understand that there are people that, that hate you. But Lord, I know that you still love them. So God, help me to figure that out and to, to love them too. And uh, Lord, we just submit our hearts to you, our thinking to you. We submit our requests to you, our prayers, that you have your will, your way. Guide us, lead us. Lord, I, I pray that every one of us in this room will pray more. 
that however much we're praying now, we'll pray more, that we'll seek you more, that we'll go after you more, and that every night as we lay our head on our pillow, the last thing we're doing is talking to you. Jesus, help us to just learn to, to talk to you, to interact with you, to tell you about our day and about our relationships. God, teach us to pray about our temptations. Lord, teach us to pray for strength and health during those moments. Teach us to pray for the lost. Teach us to pray for our family deeper and better. Teach us to pray for our community and our government. Teach us to pray for our church and your will. Teach us to pray for our finances. God, teach us what that means. And Lord, teach us to pray for our spouses the way you would desire us to pray, not the way we would desire that. God, we thank you because you truly are in charge of all this stuff, everything. We thank you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, kudos to everybody that brought chili. Kudos to everybody that ate chili. Um, another special uh, hand clap for Bruna and for Josh. And um, if uh, a couple of you guys would just help us get all these tables and chairs set up, that'd be great. We